Good evening, everybody. We are here on the first <clears throat> Q&A of the ninth month. September, yes. And it is the 83rd Q&A. We have questions, and we thank God for the questions and those who send in the questions, and we are trusting God for the answers. But I would always say, even though we give you the answers, go back and check it with God with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, who is the teacher. If you have any doubt, always refer back to the original text. That is the Word of God. Don't take my word as the final word. The final word is this. Amen. Okay. And you have fine doubts with the final word? If it is in NIV, go to NKJV. If you still have doubts with NKJV, go to KJV. Finally, it shall be settled there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> So, Pastor Vijay, we shall pray. Yes, Pastor. Father, this evening we just thank you. We praise you, Lord. We have peace mm. in the midst of the storms that's blowing across the world mm. because we know you are seated above, far above everything. And your word says we are seated in Christ with you in the heavenly places. Amen. Therefore, we have peace. We have peace because we have seen the end, because you have shown us the end, O oh Lord. At the end, we know it shall be well with my soul. So, Father, we commit all the dear ones who are listening, <coughs> the ones who send the questions. And we pray, Lord, you will give us wisdom and discernment and knowledge to answer them, which is true to your word and to your spirit. Yes, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We commit this time into thy hands. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The last hymn we sang was the first hymn I learned in my life. Then I got saved. So you see, I, I was a kid who grew up almost till, I think I got saved when I was 19 or 20. So I had no Christian database in my mind. No songs, <laughs> no scripture verses. Never read the Bible even once. So this was the first song I learned and it's how appropriate it is, right? I, in my Savior, yeah. am happy and, and blessed. blessed. Perfect blessed. <laughs> Appropriate. Yeah. And I come a long way. I think about those first days. Come a long way. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall start with question number seven. Question number seven. On discipleship, Pastor. Okay. I'm always hesitant about becoming a disciple. I feel it is too much of a scary situation to be in. Afraid I will fail. Is that wrong on my faith? Would you say I lack faith? Okay, the, 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 what I want to highlight is that you're afraid I will fail. Let me tell you, there's not been a single disciple who did not fail. Amen. Everybody failed. Mm. Okay, everybody failed. Every disciple will fail. So don't be afraid of failure because you are a disciple of Jesus, your savior. You're a disciple of Jesus who's called the everlasting father too. Okay. So fathers don't get mad when children fail. They're always there to prop you up and encourage you. Okay, always remember First Samuel chapter 30. You couldn't fail worse than that. Okay, or Second Samuel 30, uh, 12. These two chapters are the chapters of David's failures. The man after God's own heart. In chapter 30, he's failed terribly. He's lived in the enemy's camp, served the enemy, called him his king, and called himself his servant, goofed it up big time, 
but but the bible says when he encouraged himself so, okay if you look at verse 6 when he hits rock bottom the bible says david encouraged himself in the lord his god mm. so please remember when you hit rock bottom because you follow jesus remember how you strengthen yourself you don't strengthen yourself with rum you don't strengthen yourself with brandy. <laughs> you don't strengthen yourself with grass. You don't strengthen yourself with movies. You learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord, your God. And he realized how close God was to him. So that sometimes that's our, our fear. See, let me talk to you about discipleship. Technically speaking, in the word of God, he promises you nothing on the earth. Yes. But he promises you something which is beyond anything we can get on earth. He promises you his personal presence all the way. His personal guidance all the way. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. He says, I will send somebody like me, exactly like me, the Spirit of God, which the world will not know, but you will know. He will be in you and he will be with you. This is the strength of discipleship. Okay. This is a strength of discipleship. So don't worry about failure. Don't worry about what you get in return. What God promises is this. A lot of people. And the second thing about scary, why people are scared is because, um, I mean, one thing about, I'll tell you about Jesus. You read the Gospels. God will never lie to you. Okay. He, he's not like the, the marine camp or recruitment camp. Whether show you or our Indian Air Force or Indian Army, everything they make these beautiful videos, and all you think is Army is much past. Okay, and then when you see all that, <laughs> and you come and sign on the dotted line, once your signature is okay, I, I hear about this man say, okay, he was so excited. He said, yes, "Come on, sir, please be seated." He talked to him and everything, and finally sold him. Minute he signed in, he said, "Stand up." <laughs> now I will tell you when to breathe and when not to breathe. Okay. You live according to my wishes. Okay. Now Jesus is not like that. Okay. He doesn't make you sell you this, <laughs> sell you this. He's absolutely honest. He tells you the demands of discipleship. Okay. He will demand, he will tell you what is demanded. You will have to. <clears throat> In your comparison to your loyalty, your love for me, everything should be like nothing. Wow. He will tell you it all. He will tell you that even if you love your life, you cannot follow him. You should be willing to lose your life. All that he puts in, that's what scary part. But you, it is scary only if you don't understand the other side of it. Other side of it is that it doesn't matter whether you're a disciple or not. Death is inevitable. Mm. You will die. But the other side here is that death has been overcome by Christ. Okay, death has been overcome by Christ. Mm. And only when you become disciple, these fears go away. These fears go away. And actually, uh, the fear of death is gone. The fear of life is gone because you have this personal God, really. And I'm telling you, you may be, you can be a believer. You can be a crowd follower. You can be a believer or you can be a disciple. Only disciples truly, truly experience the presence of God. And the leading of God. Mm. Okay, God does not promise to lead everybody. Mm. Does not promise to lead. See, we read all those stuff and says, wow. But you need to realize they were told to the disciples. Yes. They were not to the crowd. Mm. They were not taught to the, the ones who believed in him. <coughs> okay, it was told to the disciples. So in discipleship, 
you do not have to fear. And don't be afraid of failure. <coughs> and Jesus tells, talks to his disciple foremost, Peter. He says, you know what? I know you're going to fail. Satan has asked permission to sift you. I know you're going to fail. And when you come back, strengthen your brother. No? So God has already seen from the end. Don't worry about failures. <coughs> the issue is this. Like, uh, what is his name? Bonhoeffer says, Richard Bonhoeffer says, Christ bids every man to come to him and die. And then, but that's the principle of life. We listen to Christ's words and we get so scared. Let me ask you this question. What is that you can do in the world? Which career is that you can do in the world and succeed if you don't die first? Mm -hmm. There's nothing. The minute you enter through the portals of your great office, you die to your home. Otherwise, they will send you home. Right? Dr. Richard is here. The minute he enters into his hospital, he's forgotten everything else. Otherwise, the patient will die. Right. Emergency. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that too is an emergency doctor. Okay. So we need to realize wherever you are, actually, this is a principle of life. Unless a seed falls to the ground and, and dies, dies, it doesn't bring forth a life. But this is the greatest what God is talking about. Your, your, your work is not even temporary. Your work becomes eternal. You carry it over. Okay. When God comes into the picture. So, uh, is it wrong on my faith? It is not, it's not about your faith. It's, I would basically say it is your fear. It's your fear. <clears throat> would you say I lack faith? I don't think Timothy lacked faith. Timothy was subdued by fear. Yeah, Timothy had faith. And Paul begins by saying that you have the faith. Your grandmother had it, you had it, you have the faith. He doesn't talk question his faith. But he says your faith is being cancelled out by fear. And I believe a lot of people, their faith is being cancelled out by fear. And then God speaks to Timothy and in Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, he says, you know what, I did not give you that fear. I did not give you that fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what he has given is this spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. He says, focus on that. Use that, and you can be a disciple. And the call is to disciples. The call of Christ is to discipleship. The call of God is discipleship. And don't let fear stop you. Let faith stop you. Let love stop you. And love, not faith stop you, let it impel you. That should be the motivation. And you will see God honestly will never, it's an experience of walking with God. Okay, and God will never ever leave you. He truly, truly never will leave you. He will be till your last breath and then the minute you stop breathing, you will see on the other side too, he's there to take you over. And there is no guarantee with any career that your employer, when it's time for you to retire, will give you a medal and send you home. will try to get rid of you before it is time for you to retire. Not God. Not God. Okay, he'll be with you till the very, very end. Okay, and that's, that's what I said. Don't fear about failure. We said about 1 Samuel 30. And in 2 Samuel 12, David has gooped up very badly. The minute he says, I have sinned, God says, I have taken your sins away. And Acts 12, 36? Yeah. Yeah, 36? Yes. Or, yeah? Acts 12. 12. 36 or 38? Yes. 
for david after he had served his own generation by the will of god fell asleep look at that so you don't have to be afraid if you are afraid of failure if any man should have ended up as a failure it is david hmm. it is david david did not end up as a failure because you know why he was just a disciple he was a disciple among the kings of israel this guy was a true disciple who failed terribly but his end was not failure he finished well he finished successfully so don't be afraid it is not lack of faith it is more of fear mm-hmm. deal with your fears okay god has not given us something you don't have to receive it mm-hmm. you don't have to receive it you have to personally exercise authority over spirits which god has not given you have to bind it have to leave it and have to confess your boldness in Christ certain things when it comes to the enemy let me tell you certain things when it comes to the enemy has to be vocalized mm-hmm. vocalized he has to hear it that is why the word says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb jesus overcame death overcame the devil and by the word of their testimony you have to testify to it you have to speak because jesus spoke to the devil he spoke to the devil he said it is written and you can say it is written so i am not afraid because it is written i'll go by what is written what is written it is written god has not given me a spirit of fear so i will not have and i refuse to receive the spirit of fear and confess god has given me the spirit of power if god says i have it i have it amen god says i have the spirit of love i have it and god says i have a sound mind i have it and i will trust god to manifest it through me Yes pastor Vijay because because we are doing on discipleship i think an appropriate question will be question number 3 because we are talking about failure etc it's question number 3 if you can please uh enemy can came to steal to kill and to destroy can he steal and block god's plan or or promise or the or the word given to his children or not be fulfilled is it possible yes, it's possible. Yes. it is possible in the possible in it the path is, of discipleship if you look even in the path of discipleship what is the difference between the promise given to Saul David Solomon or Jeroboam it's the same yes, promise, promise yeah. the promise is the same to all of them that if you obey my commands listen to my voice i will establish your house forever mm. given to Saul given to David given to Jeroboam and all but you know what the only one who kept the promise was David mm. okay so the enemy stole it from Saul he stole it from jeroboam but jeroboam became right jeroboam, jeroboam yeah jeroboam became, also was given yeah, it was given the same promise mm-hmm. jeroboam became a scoundrel a wicked man okay such a wicked man he became so you know so enemy can come and steal he can steal it but uh, basically he steals us because we allow him to get in and steal it from us you know so enemy came to steal so it is true he can delay for years together can delay it for years together he can do it for different different ways he can do it we see with jacob how he stole it for 20 years he used no fear to steal it from jacob no and then he i mean if you look at if you look at in terms of time uh, he lost 20 years and then subsequently because the decisions he took in those 20 years technically speaking he lost more than 20 years he lost so many years he lost okay now what did the devil do and if they will could have he would have stolen it from him but god was there watching over him intervening in his life so definitely he can steal he can block god's plan and promise how do you by getting us to cooperate with his lies mm. otherwise he cannot do it he, it's he it's like you know he balaam prophesies opens his mouth and says what god has blessed i cannot curse 
He said, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. But you know what I can do? We can set entice them up. Them, entice we can them. entice them, mm-hmm. set them up, so that you know they intermarry with our girls, and God will judge them. God will judge them. I mean, uh, did uh, Satan pluck the fruit and cut it and serve it to Adam and Eve? Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. He just caused them to do it. Okay, that's what he does. He will cause us to lose our own blessings by our unbelief. He causes doubt, causes unbelief, causes transgression, and then causes separation. And then when God comes, we, he comes to restore. Every time God comes, he comes to restore. And the problem is if you don't want a restoration and we try to hide like Adam and Eve did, God cannot restore us. Mm. So if you fail, failure is not permanent. Unless we make it permanent. Saul mm. made his failure permanent. I always look at how God, okay, Eve, I will look at the incredible way God works with, with Saul is, it's, it's simply incredible how God deals with him. God has taken the kingdom away from him. David has been anointed. All that is there. So you, there is no going back. God cannot anoint a second man and then say, okay, I cancel your anointing. I'll go with the first man. He can't do that. So it's already <laughs> said the kingdom has been torn away from Saul. But it is not like we think it is. Mm. It's not like what we think it is. Everything has been planned by God for a very, very smooth transition without any havoc in the kingdom. The crown prince loves David, accepts him him and his anointing over his life. The king's daughter, Michal, loves David. The army loves David. The people love David. It would have been a simple transition without the king actually mentoring David, seeing that he marries his daughter, and then handing over the throne to him. It would have been a beautiful, loving, kind, trans, what do you call it? Transition without any hassles. But you know what? The devil came and sets all up. So even when God is taking something from somebody else and passing it on to somebody else, he wants to do. That's what the Bible says. I forgot the words in somewhere in Isaiah, I'm right? When he leads us, he leads us in peace. He leads us in peace. Even when there is a transit. That's what he's teaching Jacob. Okay, I chose you. I chose you. Okay, I chose you. The devil cannot steal your blessing. You don't have to lie for your blessing. You don't have to subvert your blind father for your blessing. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do any of these things. If I gave you something, nobody can take it away from you. You can only lose it. Nobody can steal it from you. All you had to do was wait. And the mm-hmm. final lesson Jacob gets is when Joseph brings his two sons. I'm telling you, we all know this so many times you have heard, but a lot of people who do not know. When Joseph brings his two sons to Jacob, and Jacob is an old man, and he says, bless my sons, he crosses his hands. And Joseph says, father, father, this is the elder one, this is the younger one. He says, no, I know what I am doing. So the younger one gets the elder one's blessing. Basically, he's telling him, you know what? When your brother Esau had cooked the meat and brought it to your father, he would have called both of you to be blessing. And at that time, when he wanted to bless Esau, I would have crossed his hands. Because the blessing was not your father's, it was mine. And I would see that I had crossed his hands and you would have both got your blessings, but you would have got the blessing instead. You thought he was going to steal it, so you lied to your father. In the process, you lost all these years. Okay, So nobody can steal your blessings, but you can lose it. It cannot be stolen because it's given by God. It cannot be stolen, but you can lose it. Abrahamic blessing was lost by Israel. It was not stolen. It was lost by Israel. In the same way, 
God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We cannot, uh, the enemy cannot steal it. I mean, basically, I mean, man cannot steal it from us. We lose it because we listen to the lies of the enemy. Mm. Okay, we don't believe what God has said. We don't obey the voice of God and we lose it. Yes, for you shall go out with joy. Ah, awesome. I was looking for this verse, 55, 12. See, you shall go out with joy and, and be led out, out with, with peace. peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Okay. This is God's. This is God's. Okay. And we may say, oh, mountains and hills. How do you know? How do you know? There are spiritual things about non-animate things, inanimate mm. things which we do not know. Yes. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, it dried up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it had ears to hear. Mm. <laughs> and it responded immediately, it dried up. Okay, if you are a child of God, walking in obedience and walking in the authority of God, when you walk, creation, God's son is coming, God's daughter is coming. We won't see it, but one day we will see it. In the new millennium, we will see nature react to us. That's why the Bible says all of creation is groaning. Mm -hmm. For the sons of God. Okay, sons and daughters. Okay, where it means both to be revealed. So that's how he leads. It's a principle. He shall take you out with joy and lead you out with peace. So can enemy steal your blessings? Yes, if you allow him. He can steal your blessing. He cannot steal it without deceiving you, without causing you to doubt God's promises. The same thing. God's promise for Israel, first generation, was march through. Nobody will stand before you. I will go before you, defeat all your enemies, to go in and possess the land, Mm. a land that flows with milk and honey, Mm. houses you did not build, flocks and herds, wells with water, gold and silver, everything. Did they get it? No. What did the enemy do? He stole it. Mm-hmm. He stole it from them. How? Because of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. Because of their unbelief. That's why. Because the simple question, Psalm 58, they kept on asking is, will God, will God, or will God? Okay. Sammy, be prepared. Okay. There's lightning and thunder outside. If it, the power goes, be ready to plug into the inverter. Yes. Also, another, I think it's another practical question also in lines in, line, in, in the line of discipleship. Question number four. It says, according to Psalm 103 verse 5, I, our youth is renewed like the eagles. Even being in early 40s, when I slip a step or a skid, that's a reminder that it's not like in the 20s. If I get to sleep for a few hours, I can feel it the next day dragging myself, unlike, unlike decades before, able to do night shifts with the babies, house chores, and work single-handedly. The body demands adequate rest now, else feels so drained out, but it is never a requirement while still, when I was still very young. How does that verse apply in today's context? I pray that God will renew the youth, not just spiritually, but physically, also to be able to, able to be in sync and run for his kingdom until the end. It's true that wear and tear is normal with age, but how does this verse apply in the context to stay active and pray, uh, pray through and keep juggling other priorities regardless of age? Well, that words, okay, uh, how do you apply it today? Like, we all know we are aging. One, zero, three was fine. I, I am aging, so we know it. But one of the things is that <coughs> Romans 12, 1 also is a practical thing. Okay, see, uh, 
we are a tripart being. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. Okay, in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24. Okay, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who, is, who calls you is faithful and also will do it. Let me tell you about this. When God looks at, he doesn't look at my body first. But he wants my body first. Hmm. Because in my body is both my soul and my spirit. So God is very smart. He's a very smart businessman. He says, give me a body. <laughs> yeah, give me a body. Because if I gave my body, I have to give him my soul and spirit too. It's like a wallet with the money and the cards, the debit card, credit card. Everything is in one thing. So give me my wallet. Okay, instead of asking for money, give me the wallets I will. In the same way, God is saying, give me your body. But we are only concerned about the body. God is concerned about the all three. Mm. God, if you read KJV, God has two questions. Do you want to be healed or do you want to be made whole? whole. Yes. Okay, there were ten lepers. Mm. Nine were healed. One was made whole. One was made whole. To the man at the pool of Bethsaida, the question is, do you want to be made whole? Mm. Though NIV will say, do you want to be become well? Do you want to be? When he picked up and walked, he was made well. He was healed. But when he was found in the temple worshipping, God gave him a piece of counsel <laughs> how he would walk in wholeness. Do not sin again. Okay, so we need to look at there are three parts of us and we people in the world take care of the body very well. Mm. Okay, a lot of people are very freaked out on body, yes, how to conscious. keep their body fit. And they keep their body conscious, very, very fit. They do it and they look well. But the soul is in pieces. Soul in pieces. Because I have seen people who are extremely healthy in their old age. The mind is in pieces. No peace at all. No, no peace at all. Why? Because they didn't take care of the soul. Why didn't they take care of the soul? Because spiritually either they were dead mm. or they were deaf. Okay. They can be alive but deaf. They are not able to hear. Because if the soul does not receive from the spirit, which is our God conscious part, you know, the soul reacts to the world and the soul reacts to God. If the soul does not hear from God, it doesn't matter how fit your body is. So when you are talking about being renewed, you have to look at all these three. Mm. All these three. And that's basically what it talks about. about. Mm. But when it pertaining to your body, okay, pertaining now to your body, you have to be careful about what you eat. Mm. Let's be very clear about it. You have to be careful about what you eat. God is very, very interested in our body. That's why he gave us all these rules about this body. What to eat and what not to eat. One. Two, you have to be careful about your rest. God who created rest. Okay, it, God does not read rest because He does not operate in our kind of a body. Mm -hmm. He does not. In the new what you call uh, body you get after rapture, you don't need rest. But right now we need rest, so you have to be careful about rest. Okay, and then you need to be careful about work. Okay, work. When you use the term blessed. The Hebrew meaning of that word, blessed, happy. if I'm right, is happy. Yeah. It's happy. Sure. Mm -hmm. okay, happy. That's why he wants to anoint us with the oil of gladness. Mm. Okay. 
The joy what he is talking about has got nothing to do with our circumstances. And you will see joy is a part of wholeness. Peace is a part of wholeness. Mm. If you have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, you will always realize you have more energy than you should. Mm. Yes. More energy than you should. Okay. Because if you were to talk about food and diet and um, conditions and all, Paul and should be like in, in a mental hospital, mm. considering what he has gone through. But he seems to be pretty, pretty doing pretty well. Mm. Because when he writes to the book of Philemon, you know, yeah, yeah. if yeah. you go to his old one man. of his old, mm. uh, one of his last, you know, if you go to uh, after Titus and Philemon, okay, and verse nine. Chapter 1 and verse 9. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged. Mm. Okay. And now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Okay. He's an old man, but he seems to be pretty fit. Okay. Pretty fit. Okay. So this is where grace comes in. This is where, like in, like in the previous question, grace comes in is that God will never ask you to do something which His grace will not enable you to do. It. Yes. Like one of the persons who asked this question is a single mother. Okay, so what do single mothers need? Double portion. Hmm. They need the grace to do the job of two people. A, a, a child was to be brought up by two people: a father and a mother. Okay, a father and a mother, and the father is missing. He is gone divorced. The mother is bringing up two kids. Okay? So, it is not easy. But let me tell you, there is grace for that. And and his grace is sufficient for us. That's what he's telling Paul. What he told Paul, we have to take it and apply it into our own circumstances. Okay? That is where faith comes. See, ultimately faith comes. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Okay? Second, part, second, second Peter chapter one and verse three. This is where it comes. Okay, three, four. Okay, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Okay, uh, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Mm. Okay. What is this divine nature? What is that nature? That's a nature which will enable to cop, cope with the pressures of life. Let me put it across. In chapter 2 of Genesis, okay, we see Adam, the single man. He was a single man. So God is a God of those who are single. Mm. Jesus was single. Paul was single. Jeremiah was single. Daniel was single. I believe Daniel's three friends were single. Okay, So God is a God of single. Singleness is also there in the Bible. So God is the God of single. Then we see married. God is the God of married people. Adam and Eve were married, right? Cain was married, and you see further down, especially Abraham, Sarah, with all their family troubles. God is the God of marriage. Jacob and his four wives, God of God of marriage, okay? Then what about the single mother? Hagar is a single mother. Okay? Hagar is a single mother. And God gives mm. Hagar the privilege to name him. Yes. And God doesn't, God doesn't, uh, this thing, no? Get uh, upset with Hagar. 16, okay, 16. In chapter 16. Mm. 
and verse 13. Got it? Yeah. Chapter 30. Then, uh, 16, 13. The Lord, she called the name of the Lord who speak to her as you are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Mm. Who is speaking? A single mother. Mm. Okay. So this is what I tell you where you need the promises of God to escape the corruption that is in the world. Mm. Without promises, Okay, God has given me everything that pertains to life mm-hmm. and to oh, godliness. Yes. But how do I get it? Mm. He has given me exceedingly great and precious promises. So you have to first go and say, where am I? Who am I? Who am I? And you realize, you know who I am? I am a single mother. Mm. So who is the first single mother in the Bible? It is Hagar, the first single mother in the Bible. Okay, and she's in it. She's She's... More sinned against than sinned. Okay. She is a victim of her own circumstances. She didn't make, she didn't make that choice. She didn't have the power to make that choice. Like in this case of this child and millions of single parents out there, men or women, especially women out there, they didn't make that choice. Men walked out on them, leaving them with those children. Okay. In Western countries, because of their judicial system, you get a paycheck. But sometimes some of them don't even get paychecks, honestly. They have to live on welfare because the man who should take it is lying in jail. So there is no paycheck to come in. So they will live on food stamps. But you know what? Our God is the God of the single mother. Hmm. He's the God of the single mother. And Hagar, Hagar, okay, uh, experiences God. I don't know what, that's the name of, what is the name of that God who sees? What uh, is it called? Elroy. El- yeah, El- yeah, Elroy. Okay, the God who sees me. Okay, and God says, you know, I'm not ashamed to be known as uh, the God of a Egyptian <laughs> maid. Mm, yes. He says, no, I am. I'm her God too. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm the God of Hagar. I'm the God of Sarah. In Isaiah 51, one, he says, he's the God of Sarah. Sarah who bore you? Uh-huh, who bore you? <laughs> and, uh, uh, Genesis 16:13, he says, I'm the God of Hagar. That's where I said, you have to get the promises of God. You have to look at how, how kind he is, how impartial he is. He knows everything that is happening on the world is because of man's sin. Mm. But he's working through it all. Through it all. Okay. There is a day of judgment. There is a reign of righteousness. There is a Day when all the rights will, be, all the wrongs will be, all the rights and the wrongs, everything will be balanced. Everything is coming. Till then, God is working through this fallen system, and you need to find your own state. You need to find your own place in Christ. You need to find your own promises that apply to you, because we have this blanket promise here, one, and the other one is Ephesians one three. If he, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, yes. who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay, every, everything that I need, you need, whatever you are in life, it is given, already been given. Now, through the Spirit of God, find your place, find your promises, and through these promises, through faith, if you go back, if you go back to Second Peter and uh, chapter 1 and verse 1, Okay, verse 1. We saw 1 and 2. 
Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to to those who are obtained like precious faith with us. Okay, so again another thing uh, we we said about that in KJV uh, in Galatians two twenty. Okay, okay, the faith of, of here faith. is a faith of like, like precious faith. Okay, Galatians two twenty. This is where again you need to understand why these are powerful truths. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of mm-hmm. God. Meaning, God has given everybody a measure of faith. That is Romans 12, 3. Everybody a measure of faith. We put it across, like, no? There is only one big vessel in heaven from which faith is given. It is mm-hmm. the same faith for everybody. When Jesus came on earth, he lived by the same faith. That is why it is called the faith of the Son of God. Mm-hmm. When Apostle Peter is talking about in Second Peter chapter 1, he says the same faith. So the faith of Jesus, the faith of the Apostle, the faith of the saints, everybody's faith is the same. Meaning there is no difference between my faith and the faith in which Jesus lived. The faith is the same because the giver is the same and it is the faith of God himself. Okay? So you don't have to doubt about Faith. Faith is fine. What does faith do? Come to Romans 5 and verse 2. What does that faith do? The faith is the same. Everybody has been given the same faith. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace which we stand. So the grace also, everybody accesses is the same. It is not my grace is different from his grace. No. Faith is the same. Grace is the same. So it does not matter who you are and where you are. The promises of God are there. The faith is the same and the grace is the same. And that's all we need. There's nothing more we need. All we need is grace mm-hmm. and all we need is faith. And God has already given to us. And through the Spirit of God, we access it and live it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And as you live one day at a time, what is that I need? Is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. It's an act. It's an act. You have to. Mm. You have to. How do you do it? Practically, go through the word of God, especially go through the Psalms and learn from the Psalmist to talk to your soul. Your soul is where anxiety comes, not in your body. The anxiety manifests in the body has sickness. Okay? Anxiety manifests as hypertension and all kind of things it shows. But anxiety is in your soul. And David is anxious. He's anxious. How did he encourage himself? By speaking to his soul. You read through David's Psalms. This is a man who talks to himself. And we all talk to ourselves. Don't we? Yes. The thoughts going around. Okay. And God says, why don't you speak what I have said to you to yourself? To yourself? Amen. That's what he's talking about. Be anxious for nothing. But I am, I am anxious. How do I be anxious for? Speak to yourself. Talk to your soul about God. What he has said about you. And the thoughts he has for you. It's all over here. Like Pastor Vijay does. I've caught him many times quietly coming in. He reads his Bible loudly. That's a good way to read your Bible. It's a good way to read your Bible. You should read your Bible loudly when you're on your own. Read your Bible loudly. Why? You're speaking to yourself the word of God. Speak the word. Read the word of God to yourself. And one of the simple techniques I will tell you is that wherever 
it is written in the second, third person. Make it personal. Make it personal. Okay, that's how Paul writes. It is scripture for us. But Paul would make it always personal. My God shall supply your needs. He puts it across. He makes it personal. Make it, no? Like, uh, read Psalm 23 personally. Personal. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, and I shall not want. Make it very personal. I shall not want. change the dimension. It changed the dimension in which it's not the David psalm anymore. anymore. It becomes yes, your psalm. Yes, yes. It is not David's shepherd. It is your shepherd. Mm. It's my shepherd. Mm. Okay? Make it personal. Speak to your soul. What happens? You will see anxiety goes. Mm. Suddenly anxiety goes. Third, whatever it is, in everything by prayer and supplication. Okay? By prayer. Okay? Now, you are not praying to inform God anything that he already does not know. Even before the Lord's prayer is being given, Jesus says, okay, your father already knows what you need, but he wants you to communicate. Why? Because if you don't ask, you don't receive. Okay? Basically, prayer is so that we keep in communication with God. That is how we experience fellowship with God, is in prayer. Okay? In prayer. You already know, wow, fast, fast the references are coming like that, okay? Mm-hmm. Your father knows the things you need before you ask him. And then if you come to verse 9, what does he say? <clears throat> Therefore, no, do not be like them, for your father knows mm-hmm. in this manner, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is not a prayer. This is, they say, model. This is how you should pray. What does he say? Our father in heaven. Our father in heaven. Why does he say that? Because you know the most the greatest tragedy that happened is not that Eve ate from the tree. That is not the tragedy. If you go to Timothy and verse 2.15. First Timothy 2.15. Oh, the one before that. 13 and 14 and 15. Go there. Yeah. Adam was not deceived. That's the tragedy. He willingly took it. The woman being deceived fell into transgression. The problem is, you know what? The problem is not Eve uh, was deceived. The problem was Adam was not deceived and he still did not stop Eve. That's where the problem comes. Okay. So we can excuse Eve. She was deceived. But how do you excuse Adam? She was not deceived. He knew exactly what was happening. So he was not deceived. Okay. So the issue is the problem in the world is not created by women or children. It's created by men. <laughs> it's created by men. By being irresponsible. It is the irresponsibility of man that has created all the evils in this world. Man is responsible. That's why God comes and straight away asks Adam, where are you? What have you done? Let's not ask you. And almost all the problems, if man were to take his rightful place and be responsible first for his life and for his home, all the problems in the world will cease. It's because men don't do it that women have. And it's because men don't make proper use of their position. They abuse their position. That's we have so much abuse. Let me ask you this question. You look at Afghanistan. Is it the women who are doing it or the men who are doing it? Men. It's all the men. It's all the men. It's the men who are doing it. Okay. What is the feminist movement a result of? It is a result of the abuse of patriarchy. Not because of the use of patriarchy. 
God is still a patriarch. He will always be a patriarch. And patriarchy is never going to go away. Mm -hmm. But the problem is the ills of mankind has started with Adam. Why? Adam was not deceived. He willingly went that route. And we need to realize if we need to come back, this is the way. Okay. So, our Father who art in heaven, God is what is, what is God telling? God is telling, you know what? The, the problem is fathers have failed. But you have a Father in heaven who has not failed and will never fail you. That is what prayer is. Prayer is going to the Father who will <laughs> not ever fail you. So don't bring your relationship with your father, abuse you, misuse, violent, missing, whatever that fatherly experience you have, don't bring it into your relationship with heaven. That is not your father. And Jesus primarily came to restore that relationship. He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the father, I am not abuse you and I am not missing. I am there and you see me, how I deal with people. How I deal with mm. people. Okay, that's why the final uh, warning in the Old Testament is: before the day of God's judgment comes, He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the hearts so that there mm. will be a restoration in the church before Jesus comes of true parenthood, of true fatherhood. And all the men who are listening should be open to that. Say, Lord, I am willing to change. I will take my rightful place in my home and become a father after your own heart. Mm. We talk about being a man after God's own heart. If you are a father, you need to become a father after. And okay, that's where prayer comes. So with prayer and with supplication. For single mothers, God will give you double the grace. With supplication, make your needs known mm. to God. Okay, make your needs known to God. Okay. And what does the Bible say? Mm. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will both guard your heart and your mind. It does not say immediately you get a solution. Mm. It doesn't say. Okay. Paul is not getting a solution. He's lying in prison. Okay. He must have asked, Lord, how long, Lord, do I have to lie over here? But you know what? He's not anxious about it. He's not anxious about it. He's got peace. His heart and his mind and his God joy. Because the previous verse will say, Rejoice with the Lord always. And mm-hmm. I tell you again. I mean, this man won't lie. And if he lies, the Holy Spirit won't make it scripture. Make it scripture. So, he is a very powerful example of, you know, sometimes his life, if you look at it, in so many ways, is sometimes more powerful in certain areas than even Jesus himself. Because mm-hmm. Jesus never went to prison. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jesus never went to prison. <laughs> okay. So that is what he's talking about. In some way, if I can fill up the sufferings of Christ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sufferings of Christ. Did Jesus go to prison? No. So Paul went for his, for Christ's sake. It is for Christ's sake Paul went to prison. Okay. And in prison, he's telling us here, what do you think you're getting in a Roman prison to eat? <laughs> what do you think is the condition of a Roman prison? Right? In Second Timothy, he's cold. He says, bring my old cloak over here. I'm very cold over here. So he doesn't have warmth. He doesn't have proper food. It's a stinking dungeon. But you know what? He's got absolute peace. Absolute. And he's got this burden of all these churches. Pastor's burden. Pastor's pastor's burden. Yeah. But he's got absolute peace. And he's got the joy of the Lord. Okay? So promises are there. Whatever your situation is, you need to go to your situation, find the situation, find the promises of God, Find how God will come and meet people at their point, point of, of need. Look at the Samaritan woman. How how low can you sink? Can you sink lower than that? 
five men married, five times divorced, and living with the sixth one. Nobody to go with you, will not communicate with you, fellowship with you. The only people who will talk to you are the men of the city. Mm. And you know how men will talk to her because the Bible says she went back to the men of the city and said, come, women won't fellowship, <clears throat> ostracized in the community. Mm. And Jesus goes and meets her and meets her at her point of need, gives her a new lease of life and she becomes a witness. So you have to look at life that way. And you know what? When he does, he renews your strength. And one of the things which I tell people is, uh, promises I give people is, one is <coughs> from the book of Romans and chapter 8. Go to those promises. Speak that over you. See, I'm a crazy man. I speak to my nose. I speak to my eye because my nose troubles me. This morning I was shouting at my nose. Mm. Okay, And it stopped. It stopped. I said, should I take an allegra or not? And I said, no, I'm not going to take it. I'll speak to my nose instead until you behave. Okay, I've got better things to do than keep sniffling. Okay, so, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, chapter mm. 8 and verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, You have to take it and speak to your situation. Lord, you said this. I didn't say this. Your word is forever settled in the heavens. This is what I'm going through in my body. <coughs> and you said your spirit would quicken my mortal body. And I believe it. Would you please do it? You keep saying it. And you will see it happens. Another one is in Corinthians 6. Okay, 6. Body for the Lord. Lord. Yes. And verse 13. 12 and 13. Let's put the whole context, okay? 6, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 14. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. Okay? So the first thing you need to ask God is, Lord, I am no longer under the law. I am free. I am not bound by any law. But Lord, though I am not bound by <laughs> any law, would you please guide me only to, to choose things which are helpful? Mm. Most people won't say because they don't want the spirit to tell not to eat this. <laughs> okay, But, but you are establishing the sovereignty of God over your body. What to eat, what not to eat what to drink, what not to drink, what to listen to and what not to listen. It's more important sometimes than what you eat. Yes. Because what you listen to can depress you. Oh. Okay, depress you. And some here, you should listen to less news, okay? Depresses you. There's no news. That is no news. That is good news. Good news. Except this news. There is no good news on any channel, okay? News, and I'm talking about news as news, is depressing today. It's really, really depressing. So watch as less news. Just get go through the headlines. I honestly, there's only one news thing which I actually like. You know what? I like Telangana. Telangana. <laughs> I think it's KCR's pet channel. It only talks good about Telangana. And I like it. There's nothing bad over there. If it is something bad, it will be some other state. Telangana, nothing bad over there. Okay. Just <laughs> okay. I mean, honestly, it feels, makes you feel good. Okay, and I used to, I used to, Derek Prince used to say in the old days, I don't know about how it is now, about Israel, their newspapers, you always have trouble with the Palestinians and all, but it's always in the back page, front page is always good news. Positive, yeah. Positive. 
Okay, vasati. Okay, what you eat, what you drink, what you listen, what you read. This is by. Can you read anything? Does God stop you? No. Is it lawful? Yes. Is it helpful? No. No. That is fine. Okay. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Okay. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for the foods, <laughs> but God will destroy both it, it and the, them. Yeah, Meaning, He will destroy them. The stomach and now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. This is what I tell them, tell people. Okay. In verse 13, take this as your promise. If my body is for the Lord, the Lord is for my body. It's a promise. It's a very powerful promise. Mm -hmm. Romans 8.13, Corinthians 6.13. It's a powerful promise. You know, Lord, your word says that the body, take the sexual immorality part out so that we can fit that scripture. The body is for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. Mm -hmm. Okay? Put it across and say, Lord, you know what? The body is for, my body is for the Lord. And you will see the spirit says, I am for your body. My mind is for the Lord. And God says, I am for your mind. Lord, my spirit is for you. God says, I am for your spirit. That is how you have the Lordship of the Holy Spirit being established over you. Okay? Otherwise, it doesn't work. Because like I said, in God is righteous. And in his righteousness, he has given us the free will to choose. And in our free will, we have to choose every day. Yes. Every day. Sometimes every moment. Mm. Okay. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12 and words 1, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You have to offer. He will mm. not take it. We have to offer. As a living sacrifice. Meaning it is, it is, sacrifices are usually Always dead. Okay. The animal has no say. Once his throat is slit, his rollover is then you can do whatever you want to do. But God doesn't want dead sacrifices. Mm. God wants living Mm. sacrifices. And we are a tribe party. That's what Thessalonians 5.23 said. Your spirit, your soul, your body. And like I said in the morning, Romans 8.1 and 2. Okay. 8.1 and 2. Okay. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who are those? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In verse 2, for the law, there are two laws. You will never be out of law. Mm. We are not talking about the Mosaic law. Okay, You will never be out of the law. Okay, mm. Morning illustration we use. That's the law of gravity. Okay. How do you ex- escape the law of gravity? But the law of aerodynamics. The minute the pilot switches off the engines in Finished. In the air, the law of gravity <laughs> takes over. Okay, Law of gravity takes over. So you have to choose which law you're going to buy. And that is it. What happens? The law of the spirit, of the Holy Spirit, of life in Christ Jesus, makes you free from the law of sin and death. And what does it do to your soul? That's the important part. What does it do to your soul? You live a life free of condemnation yes. and that's the life of peace and of joy mm. because what people go through is condemnation yep. okay when you go home when men go home they always what is my wife going <laughs> to say they live in this fear of condemnation okay 
Wives are fearing the man coming home because fearing of condemnation. But that's not how children live in the fear of condemnation. God says, you know what, that's not my home. That's not mm. my home. In my home, there is no condemnation. There will be conviction. Never condemnation. Conviction. Conviction is only go to do with an action. It is not to go to do with the person. You are loved. You are always loved. Your behavior is not good. Mm. Correct your behavior, but never doubt you are loved. Correct your behavior, you will be approved. Yes. But love is unconditional. God mm. loves his children unconditionally. And this is the weight under which people who go through divorce, the single mother, will live under condemnation. Because the problem is, you know, uh, the society is so it's not the society. I'm telling you, the society is very tolerant. The, church, the churches church. are mm. intolerant. Many churches are extremely intolerant. Okay, with single mothers. Very intolerant with single mothers. And that's why I said, go read uh, Genesis 16. It's a single mother who names God. When Abraham will say Jehovah Jireh, it is in Genesis 22. 22. Mm-hmm. Before that, his concubine has named God. Understand that. Mm-hmm. God says, I'm good with your name. I'm fine. Because it's scripture. Mm-hmm. Sarah does not name God. Hagar does. And Hagar names God before Abraham does. So please understand all mm. these things. We have to be very, I think it's Jeremiah 3 8 or 5 8. Mm. Not 3 8. Yeah, 3 8. Go to 3 8. Then I saw for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of what? Divorce. What did God give Israel a certificate of? What is God? It is a divorcee. God is a divorcee. That I said, you can be anything in life. You will see God is there. God of the single mother. God of the divorcee. God of the single man. God of the happily married couple. God of the family that is going through trouble. He's God of everybody. The God of everybody. Okay. So you need to go through your situation. Go and find, you know what? God understands. Because the cry of people is that nobody understands me. God says, No, I do. He told the Samaritan woman, you know what? I understand you. Nobody understands you, I understand you. But I have a solution. The solution is not Jacob's mm-hmm. My solution is grace. Mm-hmm. If you drink of the water that I give you, you will thirst no more. No more. Meaning you will be accepted. That's it. You're struggling for acceptance, right? End of your search. End of your Your search. search. (laughs) No more condemnation. Walk free. Mm. Walk free of sin. Mm. No one got it. Adultery. The man who is a leper. The man who is born blind. You look at the people whom to go Jesus, who encountered Jesus. And this is what I'm talking about. The thing is that we need to live free of condemnation. Free of condemnation. And if we have to live free of condemnation, there is a way. The way is the, the law of the spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit. And I'm not guaranteeing, like the first question we looked, I'm not guaranteeing you when the Holy Spirit leads you where you will end. You may end up in prison. Mm -hmm. You may end up in fire. You may end up in the lion's den. But one thing is guaranteed, you will not be alone. You will not be alone. It doesn't matter where you end up. You will not be alone. Mm -hmm. Okay? Philippians, let's go to Philippians, the same chapter we read. Right? What does Paul say? Hmm? 
verse 5 or 5 let your gentle be known to all men the lord is at hand mm. he says he's right here we'll go to second timothy okay from prison to court verse 16 416 and 17 16 and 17 at my first defense no one stood with me all forsook me think about it think about it think about it in my own case imagine there's a case against false case warrant and i'm produced at nambali civil court a criminal court nobody from gdc turns up i mean think about paul okay nobody turns up this is not a pastor of one church this is a pastor of the church <laughs> every church in asia minor he established there are plenty of believers in rome nobody turned up what does he say verse 17 may it not be discharged against him but verse 17 the lord stood with me he was with him in prison when he was produced in court god was with him so it does not matter what the verdict of the court is you already be justified and verdict from heaven has been passed not, not guilty, guilty. So there is no condemnation oh, it doesn't yeah. matter if man's court condemns you yeah. god's court already vindicated you amen this is what he's talking about and it's a real life mm-hmm. it's a real life it does not matter after that you know um, david will um, um, romans 8 uh, will say that right again paul <laughs> Romans eight, verse thirty three and thirty four. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us. that's what is talking condemnation okay and that's how it comes so each one of us we have to find our place in christ find our situation find that precious exceedingly precious promise and through that promises believe it and what happens when you believe it and faith comes in okay faith comes in the grace of god flows in and whenever grace of god flows in you will be free mm. absolutely free doesn't matter what you you will be free that's what grace does you are free it sets you free no more condemnation no more anxiety i am not saying that there is a solution has come solution may take its own time and if you ask people do you want solution do you want peace <laughs> do you want a solution without peace yeah. or do you want peace without solution peace 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 means solution is coming but i am in control mm. you don't have to worry like peter can turn around and go to sleep <laughs> where is the solution coming from okay like i said what is remember we told you gospel according to john last chapter john chapter 21 and uh, mm-hmm. and verse 18 jesus telling john mm-hmm. most assuredly i say to you When you were young you girded yourself and walked where you wished but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish verse 19, 19. this he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify god and when he had spoken this he said to him follow me 
That means you already told that Peter will be an old man. You'll be an old man. <laughs> you die, you'll be an old man. And you will be dying in a particular way. Yeah. Peter is lying in prison. He's not old. He says, I cannot die. Mm-hmm. Better turn around and go to sleep instead of wasting my time worrying about Herod. <laughs> because I got a promise to stand it. Mm-hmm. It's said by the Lord himself, I will not die. Mm-hmm. How I'm going to come out, what is going to happen, whether he's going to release me, he's changing the king's mind or the king forget. I don't know how it's going to happen. One thing I know, I'm not going to die. Because I have an exceedingly precious personal promise given to me that I will not die. And you know what? Angel comes in, opens up everything, puts him on the street and goes. And the soldiers die. And also Herod dies. And know. also Herod dies. Herod's <laughs> die is the most pitiable. He died of worms. <laughs> okay. oh, There's another yeah. verse in actually Isaiah. Chapter. By the way, if any question comes online, okay, Sammy, please don't forget. Okay? Uh, 33, uh, Isaiah 33 was 22 and 24. Okay, just 22 and 24. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord, Lord is, is our, our king. king. He will say. He will say. Us. 24 will say. And the inhabitant will not say. I will say. Will no inhabitant say. I am sick. sick. The people who dwell in it will be, will forgiven, be forgiven. If he is our okay. judge and he is our lawgiver, that's it. Nobody will. You don't have to come mm. under the lordship. Okay, mm. That's why Second Corinthians three seventeen is mm. a pivotal verse of living in liberty. Mm. That is when give me liberty or mm. let me die. You don't have to die. God says I will give you liberty. <laughs> Now the Lord is the Spirit, mm-hmm. and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. liberty. There Amen. is liberty. That's how you work. Master, another long practical question. Okay. Uh, this is to do with kids, uh, so I'll read it. Question number five. Yeah. Um, I was able to inculcate the right things to watch and to speak with my elder boy while he was still a toddler, and he could grasp after lots of. Uh, Q&A and embrace that with his uh, embrace that with his love for God. This includes a no-no to books or movies like Harry Potter, to subtle demonic influenced Disney shows, to games such as Minecraft, Roblox, etc. He has been facing quite a bit of peer, peer pressure lately from the cool carnal Christians stating that he has been naive or fearful to avoid playing or watching and some of them have questioned me that why I should still uh, why, why I would instill a big list of no-no to my son so far and now he is uh, in preteens, and when he gets to his teens, he may realize a lot of con- uh, realize a lot of control and no freedom, and may discreetly seek after these things, etc. My only answer to them is, you don't have a clue on what you are saying. On a recent occasion of a Kahoot quiz, my son came third or fifth, and someone uh, would come to me and say, there are three questions on Harry Potter, and that he didn't get to answer, which, uh, get to answer them, which is why he needs to be aware, etc. I keep quiet and later told my boy that it's okay to fail the quiz then listen to others to watch or read Harry Potter and you know what it involves. We stand for godly values that protect us, so it's alright. Another parent also commented that I could end up being a control freak with kids watching, playing or reading and a big exclusion list. I just told them that I, that I explain and give the choice to kids and it's important how they behave when no one is watching and they are aware, and they are aware so, so uh, choose to pick the right stuff and leave it there as it's hard to explain Christians who don't understand satanic influence, including kids, adults, etc. Watching any of the bloodshed, violence, serial killing, etc. I was also wondering how my boys will sustain the pressure of this world growing up. Recently, after bedtime devotions, my eldest son told me he wants to be a zoo scientist and he would migrate in the state as a grown-up, hire a bachelor's accommodation and will be content. 
And I asked him, why? And he answered, I see your hardships non-stop for our sake, and I won't be able to do all that for, for my family, so I prefer to be single. I was sort of appalled to see 11-year-olds processing. How do we realize, how do we raise resilient kids uh, to not to be people pleasers or withstand pressures of this world? It's a, it's, it's, it's not an easy job, but it's a tough job, but it's a possible job because the word of God gives us people like Joseph and Daniel who stood there in their teens and they were resilient to the culture around. One of the first things, uh, I would say always is what we again saw in the morning when God says, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. The first thing children learn, understand about parents is not rules or behavior. It is love. They know it, they know it. Or they react to the lack of it. Okay, lack of it. And all our children, and that's why broken homes create havoc. Mm. Broken homes create havoc. Divorces, broken homes for the children. If you divorce without children, it is fine. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's still fine. But when you divorce after the children come in, it is terrible. Okay. So, most important thing for a baby, as soon as a baby is born, like I was telling uh, Apu and Raj, they were now home for a week. You know? I say, hold the baby like this. We'll go to sleep. Heart, you know why? That's the sound he's used to for nine months, mm. he or she. The heartbeat of the mother. It's a very familiar sound. And it keeps it very comfortable. It feels secure with that sound. Okay? And when your babies are small and they're small, you have to hold them. I'm not talking about carry them, but you have to hold them. You have to hug them. You have to tell them. See, when we had these babies coming in into LHL, our small babies, and one of the most uh, vulnerable one of the most vulnerable was, of course, Matulika, Matulika, because she was thrown in a bin. Okay, so one of the things which we do with these babies when they come small is that, no, you hold them always, and you hold them, and you keep telling them how much they are loved. How much they are loved. You have to keep telling them how much they are loved. You have to tell your children, because. When they grow up in that atmosphere of love and security, okay, and then when you punish them little by little for their disobedience, they would be, you have to teach them where they are more hurt in their disobedience that they hurt you parents, yeah. than the punishment. Mm. And if you bring them up that way, usually you won't need punishment. Mm. They're not a people pleaser, but they love their parents. Mm. Okay. Now let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus never sin against his father? Because he loved him so much. Because mm. he loved him so much. He couldn't stand the fact that he was separated from his father. Because he loved his father so mm. much. He would not mm. have hurt his mm. father in any way. Mm. Okay. So, like I said, mm. the law is for the lawless. And our children do not have to be lawless. So, we also need to differentiate when our children err by mistake oh. and 
out of ignorance and when they do it deliberately. deliberately. Yes. Always have to know the difference. Okay. And one of the things is that one of the two parents need to be there for the child. One of the two, the father or the mother, one of the two needs to be there. But ideally, if you look up in the word of God, instruction, everything is given to father. the father. It is not told to the mother. It is told to the father. The father is the influence in the home. Okay, the mother is only a helper. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's a father who is responsible in the Bible for the upbringing of the children. Okay, upbringing of the children. And how does it pivot in a family? I mean, in a family is that what the mother is asked to do, what the father is asked to do is to learn from Christ. What the mother is taught, told to do is to honor the father. When the mother, the father learns from Christ and imitates Christ and the mother honors the father, the children automatically obey. Mm. Okay. This is where it all comes in, where this, all this comes in. And you know what happens? The child, whether it's a boy child or a girl child, okay? And if it is a boy child, right early, early, very, very early, treat him as a boy. Treat the girl as a girl. Let his hair be cut short. May you like his curls and all. No, God doesn't like his curls. Paul goes all the way and says, doesn't even nature teach you men should not have long hair. We have all these Christian rappers and all with them. God says, you know what, I use them too. But that is not what my word says. My word says men should have short hair and women should have long hair. So teach your boys to have short hair and teach your daughter, I mean, daughters to have long hair. There are a lot of conveniences and all. But don't worry about convenience. Go by the word of God. Why this is important. You see, if you actually look in, it's so interesting. If you look at America is falling apart, literally collapsing as a civilization is because they moved from masculinity to homosexuality, to transgender, to intersex. They're moving to the other extreme. And who is trying to replace America and the world? China. You know what the Chinese government law last week? No effeminate programs on TV. Because they want to make masculine men to take over this world. No more effeminate characters on Chinese TV is going to be allowed. They understand. Men should be men, women should be men. If you have effeminate men, the culture will go, society will break up, and the stronger nations will take you over. Okay? So you need, you look into this thing and you will see right up, playing out in the political spectrum. Why is America falling apart? It's because men were not men and women were not women. And you know what? China wants to take over the world, so they are, the government system is saying that, you know what? We have to indoctrinate our children very carefully. Men are like this and women are like this, so men will be men and they will be masculine because otherwise what will happen? The system will collapse. And that's exactly how God, male and female, He made them. He made them. He did not make them intersex. He made them male and female. And we in the homes have to treat our boys as boys. And our girls as girls. Dress them as boys and dress them as girls very clearly and treat them differently. Also, how you deal with a boy and how you deal with a girl is not the same way. So that you know what? That masculinity and that femininity will be so clearly defined in them as they're growing up when they go out in the world later, they are not confused. 
There's no confusion at all. They know who they are. Mm. Because they learned it at home. They didn't learn it at school. They didn't learn it at school. And this is what this mother does. She protects. You don't have to know all the things of the world and get marks and come over here. I don't care. You only need to know what is right. Mm. Okay. You only need to know. Protect your child. Mm. Like we said in the morning. Which which place are you safe? Inside the wall or outside the wall? Mm. Inside the walls. So when God sets boundaries and walls, it is to give us freedom. <coughs> now you have one commandment. Thou shall not kill. <coughs> which gives you liberty? Not to kill or to kill? If you have not killed, we have not killed. That's why sitting here free. Peaceful. Anybody mm. worried about cops coming after yeah. you looking for a criminal? No. Nobody worried because we haven't killed. So where does, where does your liberty lie? Liberty lies on the right side of mm. the law, the boundary which has God has set. Whenever we break these boundaries, and the devil will sell you like the first lie he sold us. He sells you. He sells you in the name of liberty, freedom. But there is no freedom, no liberty. And we in, in the home have to be very careful how we train our children. And mothers have to cooperate. The whole problem is in this. The problem is now there's no cooperation in the home. Mm. There's a conflict where it should have been complementary. I shall make a helpmate for Adam who is comparable to him. Okay, that was told in the, 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 if you want to put in terms of a church, the pastor, Adam, and Deacon Eve, with the congregation that would come, how they would, okay, and she was supposed to help him, but now there is no cooperation over here, it became a competition, it became a fight, and the children fall apart. Like I said, if the family falls apart, the nation falls apart. So we have to go, I can't change the nation, what can you do? You can go back to the roots and say, you know what, it was not so in the beginning. So let me go to the beginning and say, you know what I will do. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what other Christians also say. I care what God says. Mm. And God says, the boy is a boy. The girl is a girl. And if you want their identity to be very sure, treat them that way and protect them. Protect them from the world. You know, when it comes to the world, we talk about friendship, don't turn with me to the book of James and chapter 1 and verse 27. Pure. And verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in trouble. Okay? Let's live that. Live that. Uh, sorry, leave that. Okay? What is pure and undefiled religion? Let's leave that ministry part and to keep oneself unspotted from the Unspotted. You know what a spot is? You take a black and spill some ink on it. The whole thing is spotted. God says, remain unspotted. That's pure and undefiled religion. The world has no say in your home. Your home is run on the word of God. Mm. The kingdom, my word. I mean, the world stops at your doorstep. Outside the door, it's the government of India. Inside the door, it's the kingdom of God. Mm. It's the kingdom of God. You don't have to worry about what to say. You don't have to be even legalistic because you know what? The kingdom of God is a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of un unbreakable fellowship. It's a kingdom of communion. Okay, we have to think about it. And we need to, we need to. And the men and women who are listening, married couples who are listening, they need to get their act right. Go home, put it right and say, you know what? I'm going to make my home a happy place. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to make my home a very, very happy place. The children will remember. Why do, why, look at this kid. If you ask most kids today, they won't tell you. You ask somebody else to ask them, will you, when you grow up, do you want to get married? They will say no. They don't want to get married. They don't want to get married. And if you ask them why, they say, you know what? I don't want to repeat the same thing. I don't want to get married. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. It is not supposed to be. You say, you know what? When I grow up, I want to get married. You know what? I want to have a home of my own. Because, you know, home was a happy place. Home was a happy place. You know? And you can make home a happy place. How? By going. Even if you're a single parent, like this dear sister is writing, you can make a home a happy place. One of the ways you make home a happy place is as a single parent. Don't say anything about the father. Leave it alone. Don't say anything about the father. Why? Because the child has to grow up honoring the father. So what happened was between you and the father. What happened was in between the father and the children. Or the mother and the children. So you need to be very careful. You do not say, especially mothers should not say anything about the father. Because if you do that, you will destroy the children. Destroy the children. I know we know it, but for those who are listening, go to Proverbs 31. And verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. Now to ask, tell me this question. Who do you think King Lemuel is? Mm -hmm. Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon. So who is King Lemuel? Solomon. Solomon. So who is his mother? Bathsheba. Who is she talking about? Her father. He's talking about? David. David. She's talking about, she's talking. Bathsheba is talking to Solomon. And in that 31, she talks about her husband's verse 10. And verse 11 and 12. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. And verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. What is she talking about? Vetsava. never did David any harm. And she never passed on anything on to Solomon. Therefore, Solomon will inherit the throne. He was one son David had who always honored the father. You know why? Because the mother saw to it. Nothing negative from her lips would come. Yet if there was somebody among his wives who could complain about his father, it was she. Because she was forcibly taken by the king's soldier. And if you read the narrative, he raped her. Raped her. And she had a good husband. And a good marriage. And she grieved for her husband when he died for 30 days. If she had some reason to be angry, she was. And bitter she was. But you know what? Once it is done, it is done. You are married to the king. He is your husband. You are his wife. He is your lord. And you are under him. And she never says anything negative. And you know what? She protects her son. And if you want to know how she protects her son, go to Chronicles. Second Chronicles. 
chapter 6 and verse 3. We'll read from verse 3. The king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel where the assembly of Israel was standing. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with my mouth to my father, David, saying, Mm. Since the day I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe or Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there, nor did I choose any man to be a ruler over my people, Israel. Yet I have chosen Jerusalem, and my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people, Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father, David, to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father, David, where it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well in that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build a temple, but your son who will come from your body, he shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord fulfilled his word which he spoke, and I have filled the procession of my father, David, and sit on the throne of Israel, as the Lord promised, and I have built the temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. Okay? And I have built... Do you know what? In his prayer, he talks over and over and over about his father. Only respect. Father, Mm -hmm. my God, my father, father. my God, my father, my God, my father. Let me ask you, if you were to ask Solomon, do you know the real story about what happened between your father and your mother? And what happened to your elder brother? I don't know whether he knew or whether it mattered to him anymore. His mother had taught him to honor his father. Realize, and because of it, he becomes the man who builds the temple. Okay, this is a simple lesson we learn. Every home will have issues. Every marriage will have issues. If the perfect marriage, Adam and Eve, collapsed, when they had nobody to tempt them, no issues, no work pressure, no children, perfect paradise could fall. Any marriage, but we are learning from the Word of God how. You can restore your homes. How you can bring up your children to honor. Okay, so there is a boy and there is a girl. Train them right in the beginning to be a boy to be a boy and a girl to a girl. And what they read also should be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Appropriate. There are boys' books from old days, mm-hmm. not modern days. Modern days, you don't pick anything from modern days. There are books for boys and there are books for girls because in the mind. The boy should think as a man. In the mind, the girl should think as a girl. A girl should be feminine. A boy should be masculine. He should not be feminine and she should not be masculine. Don't do that. Don't do that. Teach them. That was how the ancient cultures were, especially ancient Christendom. Okay, and you, you want to go through the system. Find out the books. and Don't listen to the world because they will say it is toxic masculinity and all. Militant feminism and toxic. We are neither of that. We are just men and women made in the image of God. And stick to that image. Stick to that image. Okay. And if you are a man, okay, uh, by by uh, we say in uh, math, by the principle of elimination, mm-hmm. you want to be a father, learn the father. You want to be a son, learn the son. God is a family man. By principle of elimination, there lives only one third person in the in the Trinity. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. You want to be a mother, learn the Holy Spirit. And you will realize the Holy Spirit fits into the profile of the mother. She guides, she counsels, she comforts, she leads, and she can be mad. 
She can be grieved. Don't test your mother. Okay, you want to learn what a mother is? Study the Holy Spirit. You want to know what a father is? Study the father. You want to know what a son is? Study, Study the son, Jesus Christ. Mm. The family is there because the whole family in heaven mm. takes his name. his name from the father. Is there? That's how you on heaven, on earth, on, 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 on heaven, heaven. That's how you study, and that's how you fit in your role. Mm. And mothers need to study the Holy Spirit and say, "Make me a mother, and help me, and let help me to raise up daughters who will build strong homes if the Lord tarries to come." Okay, and to raise up strong sons who will remain, and they will have no confusion about their gender. They know exactly what they are because they were treated like that at home. Mm. They were treated. They were not treated and dressed and uh, talked to as if a boy was a girl and a girl was a boy. No. Treated exactly as they were, as the word of God says. You know what? There would be no gender confusion in the home. Let it be in the world. It does not matter. And uh, the child should be, the child should be told very clearly. You know what, honey? You are not a burden. You are not a burden. You are a blessing. When mother, my mom works for you, you know, works for you, it is not a burden. And tell them, you show them into Psalm 121. You know? ดังนั้นคนที่ทำงานอยู่ในสลัมบอสนั้นสิครับโอเคยังไงดีโอเคยังไงดีโอเคยังไงดีโอเคยังไงดีโอเคยังไงดีโอเคยังไงดีโอเ
that your home is a slice of heaven on earth. And everything that I can do to make it, I will do it. The other person, I will encourage, but that's all. But my part, I will do. I will make my home a slice of heaven. And I will, that's why when my niece got pregnant the fourth time, she knew one person, one person who would be excited was me. She texted me and immediately said, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Because everybody is scared to speak about it. Everybody is scared to speak. What will people say? What will I say, you know what? Awesome. Perfect. And I said, first thing I said, don't worry about provision. That's what comes, no? Don't worry about provision. Don't you worry about provision. In the long run, I said, you know what? We take care of how many children? When you're taking care of 49 children, to feed the 50th is not difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. It's not difficult. We take care of so many children. One more child comes in, is it difficult? No. The only reason we say no more children is not because of the children, it is because of the government. The harassment from the government. And the rules they have framed. Okay, I understand rules have to be there. But when you look at a ministry, you need to realize, this ministry doesn't need rules. They are a rule unto themselves. We don't need to harass them. We need to help them, encourage them, support them, and say, hats off to you. We look at your home. We look at your children. They're better than our homes and our own children. So leave us alone. Because of that, I say no. And then second is because of manpower. We have a difficulty. Other than that, children are not a problem. You can have five. You can have ten. You can have twelve. You don't worry about it. Worry about it. I'm not saying you need to have twelve. I'm not saying that either. Sit together and decide, okay? And don't say our, oh, our fourth child, our fifth child was an accident. It was not an accident, okay? Children are not birthed to accidents in a home. It happened. And praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because children should never, ever be felt that they were an accident. Mm-hmm. They were a mistake. And they were unwanted. There are no unwanted. I told you there are no... Uh, what you call illegitimate children. They are only illegitimate parents. Every child is legitimate because God says, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. How can it be illegitimate? Hmm. I knew you. He's the giver of life. So, tell your son, you're not a burden, you are a blessing, and I love you both, and I'm there for you both, and teach them to honor their father, and uh, say that, you don't ever have to think that uh, your marriage will break. Mm. It doesn't have to break. Because mommy's marriage broke, your marriage does not have to break. Breaking of marriage is not the norm in the kingdom of God. Solid marriages is the norm. Mm. This is an exception. Mm. Don't even look at the church. Don't talk about the church or talk to the church of the world. Talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, marriage is the norm. Mm. Happy families are the norm. Mm. It is not the exception. It is the norm. Teach the kingdom. If the church is not acting like the kingdom, forget the church. Talk about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the norm. What Jesus came, brought is the kingdom. What is within me and you is the, the kingdom. kingdom. Talk like the kingdom. Mm. Act like the kingdom. And even if you are a single mother, remember you are not single because God says he's a spouse mm. to the widows. He's a father to the orphan and a husband to the widow. So you are not. You must tell your son, I'm not alone. God is with me. He is the father of this house. He's 
my father and your father. So there's yes. one, one last question. I think we should stop with that. Yes, yeah. One question, I think, and it will be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, teenagers always want to find, this is question number six, okay, and we can stop. Teenagers always want to find God without the experience of their parents. Is that wrong? In a way, it is wrong. In a way, it is right. It's both wrong and right. I didn't get the full this thing of the this thing, but remember, let's go to the word of God. Mm-hmm. I want to give you my answers from the word, so that your wisdom, as Paul says, does not. Second rest. Timothy chapter one verse. Yeah, one chapter onwards. one. Verse three onwards okay. actually. No faith that was in you. Chapter Second Timothy chapter one. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring that you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Yeah. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded in you also. So, there was a grandmother. His father was Greek unbeliever. His grandfather, grandmother was believer. His mother was believer. They passed the faith on. So go back to that question. Okay? Teenagers need to remember that. You know, if your father, if you have a family of faith, it's an unbelievable blessing. God will be always called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Mm. So when he comes and introduces himself to Isaac, he introduces to Isaac mm. saying, I'm the God of Abraham. Of your father Abraham. Of yes. your father Abraham. When he introduces himself to Jacob, he will say, I'm the God of your father, Isaac, the God of your father, Abraham. Okay? So, you don't need to experience God without your father. You don't need to, especially if your father is. I understand your father's faith should become your own faith, that you need to experience God personally. Mm. That does not mean you take, everything is okay? Yeah. Mm. It does not mean you negate your father's faith or your mother's faith. Mm. Yeah. Yes, you should have your own personal encounter with God. Yeah. But all that of your parents aid you in that. Aid you in that. You should not be a, a rebel in your search. You should be a disciple in your search. Because sometimes teenagers become a rebel by saying that, you know what, I want to find God on my own. And God says, where are you going to find it when I'm right there in your house? I'm right there in your house. Every day you see me in your house and you're going to find me outside. How are you going to find me outside when you have not found me inside? I'm right there. Right there. Okay. How will you find him then? You will find him like the prodigal son in the pig pen. Hmm. You say, what did I leave? God was there in the house. Hmm. Now, you don't have to find God yes. that way. You don't have to find God that way. Yet, you need to have your own experience of God and your own personal walk with God, which may differ. Hmm. Which way different? Which way completely different? I'll give you the perfect example of it is that the God of Moses and the God of Joshua is the same God. But God didn't do one thing through with Joshua the way he did with Moses. It was completely different. Though the promise was the same. As I was with Moses, so will be with you. Start from chapter 4. There is no rod. There's no rod. Completely different. Same The priests shall go with the ark on their shoulders, mm-hmm. keep a distance, and they shall step in, and when their footsteps in the water shall part. There is why are you crying out to me? Lift up your rod. Completely different over here. Absolutely different. 
it is not one way with god did with moses did he do through joshua it is the same god and the victories were by the same god so you will have to follow the faith of your god faith of your father imbibe the faith of your the ways of your father but you have to have your own experience and hear from your own god what he wants you to do because the god of abraham is the god of isaac but abraham is a man of war isaac is a man of peace the ways with abraham and isaac are not the same mm-hmm. and the god of isaac and the god of jacob is the same but the way jacob is and isaac are completely different the way he deals with them is also completely different that's why i said it is yes and it is no yes it has to be the faith of our forefathers we pass it on that's a legacy you pass it on we pass on our faith to our next generation okay that is our legacy but the next generation also need to have their own personal encounter and walk with god mm. they cannot just bank on saying that no my, father. my father's faith mm. no not my father's faith mm. it has become my god okay now the final words for today it's from genesis 49 verse 22 23 24 okay let's leave to 22 23 for saving time let's go to 24 25 his bow remained in strength and the arms of the hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty god of jacob mm. You see that? They're yeah. not saying God of Abraham and yes. Isaac. And he's living. When they're living, they never say that. They usually say the God of Abraham, the God of my mm. father Isaac. That's not Jacob. He says, you know what? My father's God is my God, the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Verse 25. By the God of your father, who will help you? And by the Almighty, who will bless you with the blessings of heaven, the blessings of deep, the lies beneath, the blessings of the breast and of the womb. when jacob was living he says you know what your father's god your father's god so there is this we pass on where my god becomes his god or her god personally becomes god and teenagers should never rebel in the process of discovering the god on the other hand they should be obedient to their fathers to discover that god as god. their own mm. god should not be in the process of rebellion then you end up as the prodigal son and you will discover god in a in a rough place mm. in a place where you need not be but you should discover it like isaac discovered and jacob all discovered now they found it was mm. the same god amen yes amen yes did i preach tomorrow's message today itself i do not know okay <laughs> anyway you can so hear. it's perfectly no- normal for mm. a person who's in the ministry mm. that their children will desire to be in the ministry too it's okay right i mean it's pers- per- perfectly normal right i'm i'm not saying uh, that you should compel them to be in the ministry but it's no it is not it is not ministry is a calling and wh- what i'm saying is that uh, they you don't cannot, have to be in the you cannot you cannot even desire it for them because 
they have to be called because I can pass on vicariously my desires on to them when they are not called. They have to be called. And much of the problems in ministry, including in the Old Testament, happened because it was passed on from father to son. Mm. Just called from father to son. And that was the way it was. But if you see in kingship, in kingship, if you like, that smooth transition happens from David to Solomon, not to David to his other sons. God makes the choice. Mm. God makes the choice. So when priesthood, like in the Old Testament, much of the problem happened because it was passed on from father to son. So the sons were not often kosher. The lie was okay. Okay. Sons were terrible. Samuel was okay. Sons were terrible. Okay, so in ministry, please remember, it is a calling. God has to call. Because in the context yeah. of what Like when it came to my children, only one child was called. Hmm. Okay, so I said, even there I give you the autonomy, but you are called. You can run as much as you want. But ultimately, someday you will have to encounter and say yes to that call. But you were called. I didn't call you. I didn't call you. I didn't call you. And if I look at you now, I wouldn't want you anywhere near in ministry. But I still know you are called. So even my desire for you is overruled in this. I may want you for something else, but I have no say in this. You are called. Mm. Okay. No so on the yes. other hand, mm. if somebody is not called, especially what happens today, you have a big ministry. Ministry means assets. You want to pass it on to your son. <laughs> the so name, the, this thing and all. But the son may not have any calling. Mm. Any calling. And then it becomes dangerous. Okay. And the actual transition you see in this is that Moses had two sons. Joshua. Man, okay. Mandel passes on to Joshua, okay. not Moses' sons. Mm-hmm. Not to his own sons. Technically speaking, his sons should be leading the next generation, but they are not even called. The one who is called is Joshua and Caleb. And they are not spirit, physical sons, they are spiritual sons. And he has nothing to say about it. Anoint Joshua. He shall take the mat. Mm. So when it comes to things of God, we need, even if it's your own business, you can pass it on to your son, not your church. Mm. Because it's not your church. It's not your church. It's not your church. So when it comes to ministry, we can encourage, what we can encourage is all of our children to be godly mm. and serve God in various facets yes, yes. in the yes, church. Yes. But even there, the call mm. has to come from God. Mm. And God may not call them because God may have something completely different use for them in somewhere else. Mm. And we may be taking them and putting them behind the pulpit when they were never called to be. I'm not saying they will not be successful. Mm. But the problem is it is not even success. Is that what you were called to be? Yes, absolutely. Called to be. Amen. You can use a passenger car like a truck and you can transport a lot of things. But that's not the point. Was it meant for that? <laughs> what men like, no. I'm very happy I gave up my Activa because it's become the milkman's scooter. <laughs> right? All days Activa was where I felt like, good, okay, I'm driving a Honda. Now the milkman is driving it. Look, honestly, did that Honda Motors make Activa to transport milk? No. Again, <laughs> just not. So, you can do many things. You may be very successful. But if you ask the mm. manufacturer, did he make it for that? No. He did not. So, when it comes to ministry, okay. Because, please, in the, in the, because teenagers and fathers, I was just one, yeah. I was thinking. Other things and all, mm. fine. Mm. But in the same way, if you are a businessman, you have a very prosperous business and you have an only child and you are training the child, send him to business school and everything and then God tells you, I want your son, send him for ministry, then send him for ministry. Lord, it's my only son. 
send him for ministry and business let somebody handle it okay mm. so it works both ways okay the call of god overrules supersedes every other desire amen the call of that's isaac on the altar take your son your only son mm. make a three day journey and offer him as a sacrifice yes lord the man who had delayed over a father the word of god say in 22 the next day morning where to where abraham has changed instantly don't worry about our failures in the past what are we doing circumcised the very day he next very day he circumcised yes lord not to delay he learned from terah his father what is the lesson he learned from his father don't delay chal hai let's pray for Father we just thank you we praise you we worship you Lord we pray Lord all this QA sessions are a blessing to married people single mothers struggling homes and i pray for this mother and that two sons Lord i pray Lord the hand of God would rest upon their home i speak peace i speak joy i pray a double portion of your mm-hmm. grace to rest upon that mother that she will be able to handle the pressure of bringing up two boys not mm. girls two boys Lord oh father that she will have the presence of god in our home that our heart her home will be a happy place that truly she will be able to say i am blessed because i am happy my children are happy and you said lord you will meet them at their point of need you are the god of hagar the god who sees you see everyone mm. and what they are going through and you are right there and you have an answer and you have a solution and you have the power and the provision for our victory lord thank you father thank you i commit everyone who listen today who will listen in the days to come and i pray their lives their homes and their children will be blessed thank you thank you thank you lord i praise you i worship you i glorify you for in Jesus name we pray amen amen, amen. amen.